0: I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands this podcast is recorded on and their elders, past, present, and emerging.
1: Doing the work to uncover who you want to be, connecting to what's important to you in life, figuring out who you are as a person and growing more into who that person is, and feeling more comfortable in your own skin. Every single year that I get older, as women, typically the media, the story that we're told is like, over forty, you're past your sell by date, it's a cold world out there. But I feel like every single year that I get older, I feel more true to who I am, I feel more open to accepting who I am, feel more willing to try new things or push the boat out in different ways. And I think that's something that I definitely didn't have when I was in my twenties, so That is one of the things that I would love to see more of is women in technology who, you know, midlife or older in their careers, really openly and honestly sharing who they are. Hi there. Thanks for joining me for another
0: episode of Holding Space for Unicorns. My name is Alicia Payne, and for years I held myself back. I suppressed my voice until one day I realized that not being me was exhausting and unfulfilling. So I decided to speak up, to stand up for what I believed in and to share my voice wholeheartedly. And this has opened doors that were not previously opened and amplified the connections that matter most to me. Holding Space for Unicorns is a podcast designed to empower women in technology to find their voice so that they can realise their potential. We hold the space to share with you real, raw and authentic conversations about the unspoken so that you don't feel alone in your journey. If that sounds like something that you could use a little more of don't hold back and let's get started. On the latest episode of holding space for unicorns, I had the great pleasure in chatting with Lisa Collins. Lisa is such a wonderful conversationalist and time just passed so quickly during our recording. Lisa is the director of experience platforms and Accenture, where she works alongside executives who are reinventing their marketing, commerce, loyalty, sales and service capabilities in order to drive innovation and profitable business growth. Lisa has lived and worked across five continents and has experience with some of the largest SaaS vendors globally, including Adobe and Oracle. Lisa is an industry commentator and a speaker on topics spanning digital innovation transformation and marketing. Some of the things that got us excited during our conversation were the power of storytelling in work, play and our everyday lives, embracing generative AI, as it will allow us to dig deeper than ever before as creative individuals. Great hats for networking to make you feel less awkward and to connect on a different level with new people. The privilege and responsibility that we have in being women in tech at a time when things are really changing for women and the importance of delivering good feedback to our mentors and the people who we look up to and not just assume that they get it all the time. You just never know when your kind words can make someone's day and we need to do more of this. I'm so grateful to Lisa for spending time with me on the podcast today and I'm sure you'll agree it's a real treat to listen to her insights. Her enthusiasm is infectious. Welcome Lisa. Lisa, thank you so much for joining the conversation
1: today. It's so lovely to have you here. Alicia, I've been waiting for this conversation. I'm so stoked to be here as well.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. So let's get started. And I love to start with this question because even though we talk about this as a career podcast, I'm here to talk about you. So tell us a little bit about who you are as a human being.
1: So I once did this exercise in like a leadership group that I was a part of, and they were like, come up with a super cool metaphor. And the one that I came up with was a AAA battery but I can't quite remember exactly what the A's were. So what I can tell you is that I'm a great storyteller in the moment. I'm quite creative, but sometimes I don't necessarily piece all the the pieces together as I go down the track, which is one of the reasons why I'm not the best storyteller because the punchline often evades me. But what I would say is I'm somebody who looks for joy in life, looks for inspiration and to inspire others and looks for beauty as well and that's something that's really followed me throughout my career in my professional life, throughout my career in any other kind of job that I've had. So that's me in a nutshell. Well, I
0: love that. I love what you shared about the beauty in things because I hear and I know rather that you are quite the artist.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Whenever people say that they, they feel like they're not creative or they feel like they're not artists, I really feel like there is A creative person inside of everybody Mm. and something we might have forgotten or it's something that we used to tap into that we don't anymore or perhaps it's just not something that's important to us there's other things that people would rather focus on but i think humanity is creative and humanity is creativity made real on this planet and my job often we talk about generative ai and you know the difference that's going to make and workforce and AI in general, how that's really going to impact how we build businesses, how we relate to ourselves and our careers. And one of the things that I see constantly coming up with leaders in this space is that generative AI is just going to take the mediocrity out of creativity. And it's going to mean that people who are creative need to focus even more on that side of themselves. It's not just doing the rote creating of outlines and contents and banners and whatever else. They're really thinking and digging deep on who are we as creative individuals. So I really believe that is something that machines can't and will never be able to, to replicate. Yeah, wow. It just made me think
0: when you shared that. I thought two things. So a creative state is probably our most natural state of being. Yeah. And then the generative AI, and I think it's probably – We'll we'll go down this path probably further down this conversation, but generative AI will allow us to be more creative and give us that space to be more creative and to do the things that light us up. And so to that end,
1: what lights you up? Conversations. So I was lucky enough on Friday to attend an event called She Loves Tech based out of Singapore. There were these incredible creatives uh, and founders that were women that all came from across the world and presented their startups that they had, were working on, that they were building. Mm. We had industry leaders speaking at that event. And there were three conversations that I was super lit up by. The first was this incredible woman who is a partner at a really large VC fund. She's based in between the U.S. and Singapore. She's Singaporean originally. She spoke about where she sees technology trends going in the U.S. versus in Asia and the differences between the two and how people need to use and leverage those differences to think of new services that they can deliver and new problems that they can solve. And she was specifically talking to the startups, particularly around this time of liquidity, which is a lot more constrained than it used to be, and Mm. where people have to be super focused on what problems they're solving and uh, what context that fits into to see is this the right time to either start up a business or to grow. She was super switched on, super smart. She's one of You know, a small handful of board members of Temasek, which is one of the largest companies, most influential companies based out of Singapore. It was so cool to hear this woman who had a very distinctive perspective, was able to express herself really clearly and was a really global citizen, but based out of the country that I live in. Uh, The second conversation I had was at the after party with a 15-year-old. So this incredible girl, whose name was Trinity, comes up to me. I was Whenever I go to networking events, sometimes it takes me a while to get ramped up to go and meet a bunch of people. And I give myself a number, and this is the number of people that I want to meet. And I was on person number four. And she okay. came over and said, oh, hi, you know, I want to introduce myself, and was asking great questions, was doing really cool stuff at her school. I didn't know she was a school at this point, but creating, like, bringing art uh, machines and creativity together for school kids and was so confident. And then when I found out she was 15, first of all, I was blown away. I've never, I mean, I wish I had been that like confident in front of adults when I was her age. But she was just so open and willing to say yes. She was kind of throwing herself into these conversations that for most 15 year olds, they'd be super, I'm sure, held back yep. in those conversations. And when I asked her, I was like, what is it that has you be able to do it? Because you have an incredible skill and talent at connecting with people at such a young age. And she said, two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do this. And in my head, I'm like, well, no kidding. You were 13 two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> she said, a year ago, my parents made me go out and sell fish bowls to people in the street. These old aunties and uncles who have no time for like, you know, some little teenager trying to get their attention and sell them something. And she had to dig deep to find ways to connect with people in that way to be successful and to sell. I was so, I mean, A, it didn't surprise me at all because I think sales skills are important no matter what role that you're in. But it really made me see how, wow, if we could be teaching kids these skills when they're in, in high school and they they have the ability to open up opportunities and conversations for them because they have built some kind of experience in sales, I think is incredible. And I was just super impressed with her. So I then went and introduced her to other people as the this incredible talented young woman, and she was <laughs> that I was like, yeah, you deserve to meet as many people as possible. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I had a couple of conversations and then I met some other people, and conversations light me up. Conversations yeah. where people also bring themselves to the conversation and they're not afraid to ask questions or be curious or share something that they feel confident about I just think it's so beautiful to see because it's also I really experience people in the sort of open connected way that lights me up so yeah yeah, two moments that I can remember from last week that I was really excited about
0: that's awesome. And I can so relate to that. I can also relate to what you shared about networking. It can, it can be really awkward and especially sort of made out to be like this networking event. But when you, oh. what you said was cool about that number, what was the number of people that you needed to talk to? You said the first conversation was number four. How many people did you set the goal to speak to?
1: I wanted to have 10 conversations and connect with 10 people on LinkedIn. And yeah, I met my goal and I chatted to a couple of other people and yeah. then also randomly bumped into some other people I know in my industry who happened to be at the place where the, the drinks were being held. So yeah, I had great conversations. And this is actually a tip that your listeners can feel free to steal. So sometimes what I do, I'll have some fallbacks when the conversation Maybe I'm an outsider. And this is what happened. I was sort of an outsider in a group of three people who knew each other super well. And creating relatedness was, I could feel that I would have to perhaps work a bit of that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things in my back pocket is hacks. So I like to collect hacks for any subject, like any random subject you can possibly think of. Okay. And I, I grow that, you know, my collection of hacks over time, but they're really simple, right? But it also It has people think about random subjects in a different way. It helps you open up a conversation that is not necessarily threatening, but just open and a bit more creative. So I'll give you an example. Okay, I'm going to be giving myself away here for anybody that attends a wine tasting session with me. But I know a lot more about whiskey than I do about wine. So I can tell a really great glass of wine and a really bad glass of wine, but everything else in between is a little bit lost on me. (laughs) So When I go to wine tasting, the one hack that I have that I'll whip out of my pocket is going through the whole process, you know, looking at the wine, sniffing the wine, tasting it. And I'll say, oh, that's really approachable. (laughs) I want to let you know what you're talking about. Also, it doesn't mean me anything at all. That's an example of one of the things that I'll take with me when I go to networking events is if I can feel there's a bit of work to do is I try and find something that's a bit more fun and lighthearted. And then when you ask other people for what their hacks are, you really discover some some useful lines that you could actually throw out in different conversations. So that's one of the things that I do to to feel more at ease and put the people that I'm networking with more at ease.
0: That's fabulous. I think networking is a bit of an art form, but it really is just about the connection and, and finding that common ground, but really being present with people as well. And I find too, especially in this age, you know, we had a few years where we weren't able to be in person with people. I think some of the simplest things and some of the most, there's the most simple, beautiful conversations I've had, like at networking events have not been about work at all. It's just been about the person themselves and their culture and things like that. And that, Like you mentioned the word curiosity and I think the more curious that you can be, the more wonderful experience it will be for everybody. You just never know what you can learn or, or where that encounter may take you. So what did young Lisa want to be when she grew up?
1: I wanted to be a cat burglar. I was like, cool outfits, check. Interesting, you know, go to new varied places every single night or every time you go to work, check. Find really pretty things that you can possibly like wear, like nice jewelry or whatever, check. And then when I obviously realized that perhaps a life of crime was not really for me, <laughs> my backup plan, my fallback was to find a career that I could do anywhere. So in my hometown and in the school that I went to, the kinds of careers that were most spoken about to us were doctor, physio, lawyer. Advertising is really big in my hometown. And the thing that I felt with all of those is that I knew that you had to do different kinds of exams if I wanted to go and work in Australia or the UK or stay in South Africa. It would be quite difficult to make that move across those different countries. And as I was growing up in my career, so I studied marketing, economics and digital was starting to grow at that point. And really the whole reason why I just went all in for a career in digital and technology was because I thought, hey, the Internet is the same pretty much all over the world. This sounds like something that will allow me to travel really easily. This is what I'm going to go for. There you go. And look at where you are today. Yeah. <laughs> Not
0: for the houses. Sorry, I guess we've kind of gone from cat burglar to digital marketing. Maybe elaborate a little bit more about why you're in the industry today. Sorry, how did you end up working in, in technology? And I know that you've moved around a, l- a little bit from the marketing space into deep tech and then and in the MarTech space. Then why are you still there?
1: Yeah. Why am I still there? Okay, so how- why I got into it in the first place is... Digital was growing. There were some more budgets people were trying out in the digital space, running AdWords campaigns. And the company that I worked for gave me a budget and said, just go and make the most out of this money and bring us more leads to our website. Sort of figured it out as I went along. But the thing that I loved is, you know, I had these outdoor advertising people coming to me. I was in a relatively small startup at the time trying to pitch me outdoor ads and, giving me kind of vague assurances that the right people would see these ads, which was a bit, felt a bit like a thumb suck to me. And then on the other hand, I had this analytics coming from Google Analytics at the time and AdWords and these other campaigns we were running. And it was so exciting to see what specific people were interested in and what kinds of messaging was resonating with people. And I think it was the data side. I've always really loved data and maths and those two things, I could see them coming together. And for me, I've always connected it back to people. So consumer behavior, why people do the things that they do, what kinds of interventions trigger a particular kind of behavior. I've always been really curious about that in my own life. And then digital marketing at that time just gave me a great opportunity to explore that from a you know, how do we sell something to somebody and hopefully make it meaningful for them or, or give them access to something that they wouldn't have seen otherwise? Since I started in that space, I then went and worked for a technology companies. So the scope that I began to see began to widen. So it went from marketing, analytics to A-B testing and optimization to content management to, you know, building out 360-degree views of the customers and, and building systems to determine what should the salesperson, if I'm a salesperson in a dealership, that there's a system that tells me, hey, if Lisa's coming in, speak to her about Mini Cooper that has this amount of space and maybe there's this event that you should invite her to and that all of the advertising, emails, push notifications, the even, you know, above-the-line campaigns that I was seeing, all of this should create a story that then allows the business to fit the right product to my needs and hopefully make a sale. So I think that expansion of looking at how all the different aspects of customer experience technology comes together, I find fascinating. And really I think people who are technologists tend to either be big vision picture thinkers and how can we change customer behavior and impact our customers, or they tend to be treasure hunters. Like they want to see how the best way to have the tech work together and fit different pieces together. And I think they're really interesting people that I work with every day. We're solving interesting problems for our customers. And uh, the company that I work at now, Accenture, we're coming up, we're solving really challenging problems but doing that in a really cool innovative way that when I hear about how we're doing it it makes me sit up and say wow that's that's amazing every person that I tell these stories to are also uh, really wowed by that as well to see how we're pushing the boundaries so yeah those are the the kind of things that I look for with the teams that I work with and the, the kinds of businesses that I work for as well.
0: It's it's really interesting, actually. I mean, I know that this is your special place in, in marketing technology and customer experience and only recently have, have dipped my toe in the water. And the the conversations that I have with my customers and the things that they want to achieve in that space are amazing. Like the whole customer journey, having that 360 degree view and the number of people who just don't have access to that and being able to give them the tools to do that and the wherewithal, not only just to say, here's a product and use it, but let me help you let me solve this issue and then when they get that our heart moment that is amazing so I can relate I can relate <laughs> <That's> <laughs> sorry I want to just, uh, just change gears a little bit so how has being a woman yes. in technology shaped your work experience and I know too you've been in Singapore for a number of years now so maybe you've also got an, a unique lens to share with us as well
1: yeah, so how being a woman in technology shaped my work experience, I think I was really fortunate to come into this space at a time where for the companies that i worked for, there were a lot of initiatives to drive more diversity at different levels of the organization. I've been really fortunate to be a part of different leadership experiences within the organizations I've, I've worked at. There definitely has been a lot of top-down support for women growing their careers in this space. I think that there will always be a lot of work to do for diversity and for different groups. And I certainly have experienced my own fair share of frustrations at being maybe a minority voice in a room where I either felt like I couldn't show myself or I couldn't be really honest about how I felt about something that somebody said. But I think a lot of the times that's something that is a combination of looking for, okay, what is there in myself that I can shift or change or, or look at something from a different perspective? And then also assessing, well, what's happening outside of myself that either I can request that there's a change or I can push for change, or I just move myself out of that space altogether. It's not easy for women in tech still, but I'm really happy to see the kind of support that we're beginning to see, especially in a lot of multinational companies that I see in Singapore. And in Singapore in general, I mean, one of the reasons why I love to be here is of all the countries that I've lived in, there's this great mixture of growth and opportunity in Asia as a whole. And and Singapore is is a really important financial and economic hub across this whole region. But also, there's still a lot of know, creativity in in terms of how people are solving problems and what's different in terms of the countries that I've lived in is that when you have institutions that have a really long-term view of how they want to change the economy and support diverse groups of people and have the country as a whole win, it's really exciting to be a part of that and to have a perspective of how different people in different cultures are looking to solve the same kinds of problems. as I've been really fortunate to be able to see that from multiple perspectives. So I love living in Singapore and and I love working in technology. So despite the challenges that I think all industries have, I think they're they're solvable and I'm very happy to work alongside a lot of people who are actively working on on solving them. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. When it comes to mentors and coaches, I know this is something we've talked about a little bit, what role have they played in your journey to date?
1: They've been incredibly important. I think my very first mentor and coach was my father. So he's always been an incredible support for me in my career and a great source of wisdom around business and growing myself professionally. So having somebody who's kind of been in the trenches and can share really openly about what my strengths are, but, you know, what is seen from the outside as my strengths and areas that I can work on. And giving different perspectives around people that I deal with in the business sphere is has been invaluable. I've been so fortunate to work for some incredible companies and learned from a lot of managers who were deeply committed to my growth, who were always open about how I could improve, where the opportunities were, actively putting me forward for opportunities. I had one manager who. He really, for me, embodied like incredible masculine male leadership in that he had this great vision and clarity of thought in terms of how the team, he was looking to grow the team, but also deep empathy and deep compassion for the people in his team, especially in a technology company to see somebody who was like that and could bring both aspects of themselves to bear, both strategic and very business focused, but also very human focused, was such an inspiration for me in my own leadership journey. I feel also sometimes mentors can come in the form of somebody who you work on a three month project with, or you have a conversation with that's really open and, and inspiring. I think that it's up to us to really look for those moments of mentorship and look for those moments that are not necessarily just a structured Formal program that a company will offer you, but really commit to to noticing that showing up in your life.
0: Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I can certainly think of moments even more recently where people who haven't been formal mentors have have provided me with clarity, like more recently on like the way I learn and the way I like to learn and the way that I like to be managed and the way that I like to be given instruction. Yeah, which I thought was really profound at age 40 to be able to go, oh, actually, you don't like learning like that, but you like learning that way and that is the way that you're going to get through this. So it is amazing when those people kind of, and might not even be till later on down the track, that you go, wow, that person was so instrumental in in helping me get to that next level.
1: Totally. It's actually reminding me to do this now, but sometimes we forget to actively, or I forget to actively acknowledge those people. I just Mm -hmm. assume people who are great at what they do know that they're great at what they do. But every time that I've reminded myself to, hey, you know, call out to that person, I really appreciated the way that you said this or that, is it creates another moment of connection with them. And I think, you know, I've had moments where people have done that to me. And oftentimes it's just really surprised me. (laughs) I've just thought like, wow, that's incredible feedback to receive. And I think we should be doing more of that in life in general but definitely in the workplace of acknowledging other people for the role that they played in a moment or a career progression or a meeting that went really well.
0: I think that is so important and one of the things I know that you know uh, being in the industry, being in and around sales organizations at the moment, just how challenging yeah. it is in the, in the current economy and the reminders I had recently was bringing out a feel-good file. I don't know if you have one of those. <laughs> I haven't properly put it together. And just when you get a compliment from a, like it may be a customer or like a few years ago someone said thank you on a, a Lucid chart board for something that like I'd done for them. And when you just have these moments of challenge because it is a challenging time, you, you can go back and look at that file and go, oh, hey, hang on, like, this reminds me of who I am and how awesome I am and keep going and, and, and it can turn your day around.
1: So, you know, somebody once described that to me as the human mind is like one massive kilometers long warehouse, but it's all in the dark and you go into the warehouse and the only thing that you have is a flashlight and where you choose to point that flashlight, if you point it onto one pile, and it's just a whole bunch of, you know, CD players you think, oh, this whole warehouse must be full of CD players. And you could put it somewhere else and it's a bunch of sofas. And you think, oh, maybe it's just, it's a furniture warehouse. And it's the same thing with our minds. Wherever you choose to focus, is what tends to show up for you in life. That's what I always also bring myself back to, whether it's what I'm focusing on in a particular relationship or what I'm focusing on at work. I had the opportunity last week, David Droger is the CEO of our organization. He came with a lot of our senior management to um, give a town hall last week and spoke about reinvention. And that perspective and that point of view, I found so powerful. It really was... You know, whatever is happening to us at work, whatever is happening to us in challenging parts of our lives, we can't control so much of it, but what we can control is how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to reinvention. And, and for me right now, that word was so powerful for me. Reinvention is connected to that, that warehouse and that flashlight. Like, what are you going to choose to focus on? Is it the stuff that I can't control? No, let me focus on the things that I can.
0: Yeah. Reinvention. Yes. Love it. I think we're definitely in the era of reinvention. New, awesome energy. Bring it on. We've kind of talked about this a little bit, but what really excites you about the future of technology and the industry as a whole?
1: Okay. So a couple of things. I mean, I love being creative. I think generative AI, it really is the opportunity to, you know, get rid of mediocrity and the creative industry and open up new ways for people to be creative. Uh, We're seeing a lot of this in the customer experience space that I work in. So customers are asking us for this. People wanna hear about what is generative AI gonna mean for my business? How am I gonna get more things done faster? And you know, when you think of it from a personalization perspective in terms of how businesses reach out to their customers, instead of perhaps giving two or three offers to two or three different kinds of segments, you're going to have a thousand offers in multiple formats given to like you know 200 different segments. And so the companies who are super advanced, and I know that there's quite a lot of companies like that in Australia are going to be able to have more deeply personal conversations with their customers because generative AI is actually going to unlock their ability to drive more deeper micro segmentation, micro personalization. So for my industry and my space, I think generative AI, Really, is a truly transformational technology or group of technologies. The second area that I'm interested in that I'm excited about is emerging tech. So last year, probably if you had been to conference or had been trolling through social media, everything was about the like. You know, two years ago it was about crypto and Web three and how exciting it was. Um, I think a lot of that excitement has died down for for numerous re- uh, reasons, but the people who are still in that space still are working from an ethos, or a lot of them are working from an ethos of, you know, how do we give power back to consumers? So from an advertising perspective, for instance, if I'm gonna show you advertising, how do I reward you for actually viewing that advertising as well? So because of the different technology underlying emerging technologies like in Web3, it gives us the opportunity to step back and think, Differently about how we want to approach the entire business model. I think if you come from the web two space that I do, there is this assumption that, well, we'll always just revert to the same kinds of business models that we have today. But that's why I think human creativity comes into play. Because if you have a, a clear drawing board, a whiteboard in front of you, and you're asked to reinvent how you advertise to people, you're asked to reinvent how you deliver services to people, or how you train your workforce as a country. That's a super exciting question to ask, and so all technology that enables us to ask more interesting questions, I get really excited about.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. There's so much excitement to come, I think. And you know, the challenge that I've seen this year, I think, I don't think we're quite through this tech winter, so to speak, as people are freaking out, not just in in technology, but across other roles as well about what this means this generative ai and then other technologies will mean for their employment and their futures but what is exciting though is the possibilities and the jobs that will be created and like you said the creativity that comes and the endless possibilities and so yeah that's like rather than it's like like you said about the the focus and the reinvention why are we focusing on the uncomfortable the oh i might lose my job and you know that's kind of serious but also I might find another one doing something that's really freaking awesome. And so, yeah, there's there's so much to to get really, really excited and hopeful about. Yeah,
1: absolutely. What legacy do you want to leave for women in technology? I want to leave a legacy of curiosity. So I read an incredible book that I can't stop recommending enough called Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez. She really did a deep dive into the invisible biases that women are faced with in multiple areas of their lives. And oftentimes it's those areas that are invisible, that are in our blind spot, that I'm super curious about. Um, And oftentimes it, it shows up and is reflected in technology. So a classic example that she gave is, When Apple first created their health app and they released it to the marketplace, it was highly lauded. People were excited to see how this environment was growing, the ecosystem was growing. But what's the one feature they left off that they didn't even think about that half the planet could benefit from? It was a period track part of the app. And a lot of that is because when you don't have diversity of thought, people design things in ways that are meaningful for them. And as women or whatever kind of group that you identify with most, there are things that are worth questioning. And and again, when we talk about that big whiteboard and the white space around, you know, how do I want to create my life? And what are things that are impacting me right right now that perhaps I hadn't even thought about reading and having very data-based conversations? So Perez really draws on a huge amount of research and data for that book which I love because I'm all about data. And rather than having an emotional based conversation, it was more of a, hey, here are things that are interesting. They're worth discussing. So legacy that I would love to leave behind is a combination of encouraging people to be curious and also encouraging people to find more joy in their lives and to look for those little moments of joy. My middle name is actually Joy so I don't know if it's a coincidence or not um, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the word a
0: few times so already I just noted it I was just thinking to myself actually joy
1: yeah. I think the free economics guys might say that this is some form of nominative determinism but I think there's so much joy to be found in life and I often forget how much joy surrounds me I think everybody probably does from time to time so those are the two things curiosity and joy i love that yeah bring back
0: more curiosity and absolutely more joy oh that's wonderful what do you believe is the biggest challenge for women in tech today and how would you love to solve it or how do you think you could solve it
1: i mean i think there's different ways to look at that i think if you look at women as a whole in tech like all of the women on this planet there's a huge amount of women that are not represented in technology and their needs are not represented in technology. You know, women who are working two jobs and are the sole, you know, breadwinners for their families and are having to travel, you know, from one part of the city to the other just for their work and the kind of technology that we have that can help support and make people's lives easier and women's lives easier. I think that's a massive challenge that again is often held, like we're held back in that because the people who work in technology tend to be not necessarily having to deal with those kinds of problems at that level, but maybe they're removed from the challenges that every single woman experiences. I think for people who are working in technology I know I think of people like me, so have been fortunate enough to have a university education, have worked for some incredible companies, have lived in, in multiple parts of the world. How we communicate in the language that we use. I've noticed that still very few women are able to harness both the power of being a woman with the power of being a business person. And so sometimes I'll see that show up where people can be very kind of cold and hard and they just want to be all about business. They don't want to be seen as being vulnerable. Other times I see it showing up as people, you know, women who will open up a conversation and will, who's super smart and super switched on, but are also willing to check in and say like, Hey, how are you going? You know, this is what I see that you do. That's amazing. And how can I help you grow in your career? Like women who actually look for other women around them to lift them up. And I think, you know, women, women are human beings. So there's all different kinds of people. There's all different kinds, all different kinds of women. But I think that thinking about the skills that you have and the strength that you have and finding your own way of expressing yourself is one of the things that I wish I would see more of women in technology. Because I think sometimes there's a feeling of, how we communicate is a bit more hesitant. So, you know, there's studies that have been done that show that women tend in the the workplace tend to say, I think this, or I believe that, or I would like this. But men tend to say, have more of an affirmative, this is the way the situation is. And just by different framing in language creates a different perspective of who you are, both how you relate to yourself and also in terms of how other people relate to you. Doing the work to... Uncover who you want to be, connecting to what's important to you in life, figuring out who you are as a person and growing more into who that person is and feeling more comfortable in your own skin. Every single year that I get older, as women, typically the media story that we're told is like over 40, you're past your sell-by date, it's a cold world out there. But I feel like every single year that I get older, I feel more true to who I am. I feel more open to accepting who I am. We are more willing to try new things or push the boat out in different ways. And I think that's something that I definitely didn't have when I was in my twenties. So that is one of the things that I would love to see more of is women in technology who, you know, midlife or older in their careers really openly and honestly sharing who they are. You know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus recently launched her podcast, but it's amazing, wiser than me. And the first session that she has is with Jane Fonda. And here's this incredible woman who's lived through so much, interviewing another incredible woman who's lived through even more. And the power of women who are just in their element, who have a really clear view of who they are, what they've seen in the world, the wisdom that they have to share is incredibly powerful. So I would love to see more of that in technology.
0: Definitely. I feel the same and I think you were talking a little bit a few minutes ago about the language that we use mm. as women and one thing I know I've stopped doing and one thing I share, not just with, with women in, in business that I work in but also just in, in general but stop saying just just or like being uh, being super apologetic about things like even like there's this typical line that salespeople use which shouldn't use but just checking in like it might be like you're chasing you're following up you're waiting for something to come through but changing the narrative and just being confident and saying, hey Lisa you said that that you'd have something signed off by this date and this is the time frame that we were working to and having all your ducks lined up rather than just checking if you got this done yet like just be definite about it and it's amazing the way that you feel when you change that you stop yourself before you say something and just be direct and when you want something
1: and go for it how um things can change language is so powerful When I realized how powerful language was, that's actually part of the reason why I wanted to get into marketing, why I wanted to study marketing. So I initially was studying film and media when I was at university and I I changed to business studies and marketing because it struck me at how storytelling is everywhere as a part of our human history, but that's what marketing is. It's creating a story that you invite your consumers to step into. And every single ad, person they speak to at the call center, web experience, know, return experience that they have is a part of that ongoing story. Storytelling, you know, people have been marketing themselves as storytelling for a while now, so in some areas it's a little bit old. But language and story, nothing will ever be as powerful as language and story. No matter what other technologies are out there, they're two of the most powerful tools I think we have to lead ourselves and to lead others. Definitely.
0: Oh, yeah, the power is storytelling. (laughs) You just won't get that from generative AI. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing more exciting than someone telling you about an experience, though, and taking you down memory lane. Or when you have a, a shared experience with someone, and you're just going, "Remember when that happened?" And like the emotion and the excitement in the in the story, for example, mm. like you just won't get that from a computer. <laughs> so <laughs> it will live forever. It's been going forever. It will live forever. Yeah. Left with my um, final question, Lisa, but uh, it's been such a wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful that you've, you've been a part of this and you brought a completely unique perspective. So I'm sure that everyone will be so excited to hear you. But before we finish up, if you met young Lisa today, what
1: would, what would you want to say to her? I would want to say to her, oh, gosh, what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd want to say to her it gets better. Really, I think sometimes as kids and teenagers, and I see this in the teenagers who are around me today, it can be really frustrating when you want to do some things, but you felt, you know, you feel held back or kind of have to bide your time before you can just get out in the world and just get out and be out and do, you know, the, do the stuff that you want to do. I, I often felt quite frustrated by that when I was younger, and I'd say the second thing I would say is keep playing. So I think I always have retained that sense of creativity and wonder and like a bit wackiness sometimes. But really, yeah, just encouraging her to, to keep playing, keep exploring, keep being curious. And actually, I remember, oh, gosh, it was I was so embarrassed. I was 17, finishing high school, and they did the the end of year, you know, all the awards that they would give out. And I'll never forget this moment where they announced and the prize for the most inquiring mind goes to, and I turned to the girl next to me, I was like, I wonder what nerd won that. And then we oh, Lisa Womersley. It was just, where does it be, Shri, dying inside? was a nerd award that I had won. But um, it's been the characteristic I think that I have that's helped me through some of the best times in my life and some of the hardest times in my life as well.
0: I love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. It it was so exciting when you said yes because I I just thought that, you know, you being in in the the role that you're in now and also the experience that you have to share will definitely benefit others as they listen to this. But uh,
1: thank you. We're very, very grateful. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you, Alicia. I'm so happy we had this conversation. It's been uh, such a pleasure to be here too. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode
0: of Holding Space for Unicorns. Reviews are so important for empowering more amazing women to find their voice. I'd love if you could take a moment to leave a review and a rating on your preferred podcast listening platform. If there was something that resonated from this conversation, please take a screenshot and share your thoughts with a friend you feel might need to hear this message or drop your thoughts on your preferred social media platform and tag me in it. I'd love to see it. You'll find me at holding space for unicorns on Instagram, or I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Until next episode, don't hold back.